Hello, and welcome to episode three of For the Purpose Of, which is your podcast about trends, big ideas, and exciting news in the world of ed tech, so that you can consider the purpose behind your next ed tech integration. I am Sarah Wood, and I'm joined by my colleagues. I'm Ron Hummin, ed tech consultant at Iced Keith Tramper, also one of those. And we've got a really great show for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about professional learning for staff that may or may not have a limited attention span. We know during this pandemic last, well, going on three years now, that the ability for staff to really engage deeply in things has been diminished quite a bit from just our anecdotal evidence and from talking to lots of people about it. We're also gonna share some resources from around the interwebs and some updates on some professional learning opportunities for you. So we'll start out with our first big intro question like we'd like to always have is, what is currently on your playlist? So I'm a big podcast listener, um, and the big one for me right now is 20,000 Hertz. Um, if, you, if you're familiar with uh, 99% Invisible, it's kind of a similar concept, but it digs in, really, really digs into the geekiness of audio, anything audio, sound, whatever. Um, the last episode was really cool about uh, this. Get, the host name is Dallas Taylor, and he reaches out to every single Dallas Taylor that he can find anywhere on the internet. And they just have a big conversation. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, so go check that out. And my, uh, my music right now, I just made a playlist for the big game. I'm super pumped to go back to some of the, the music, which may not be school appropriate. So don't go looking for this uh, playlist right now. Um, but I'm excited to see some of those artists from, uh, from back in my youth and the, show that I've been watching lately. Um, we're on like our third, my wife and I are on our third watch through of new girl, um, which is one of our favorite shows. And we're super excited because they just came out with a podcast called welcome to our show with like three of the stars from the show kind of unpacking, uh, what went into that show. I wish I had that much time, like in my commute, but my commute's way shorter than yours. So I have time to listen. I did not know they had a podcast. I'm in. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, you're up next then. Um, I'd have to say I don't listen to podcasts all that much. Um, so usually when I do, it's usually when I'm going to get pick up my kids from school. But I like the podcast this Teacher Life by Monica Genta. Like they're short, 15, 20 minutes, enough to get me through my drive, but it's also she's very invigorating. Like it's hard to not play off her energy. I can't imagine what it's like being in her classroom. I would love to, but I can't imagine how she feels at the end of the day if she is on all the time, but I'm there for it in that 20 minute drive. As far as music goes, I've really been listening to a mix of things lately. I've started, you know, new year, new me um, (laughs) exercising and my husband and I made the jump to invest in a rower at home, which has been awesome. So I've really been listening to a mix of things, but I will always go back to my fallback, not school appropriate, um, 90s hip hop rap. That's my comfort zone. That's where I'm at (laughs) all day. And then shows I'm into right now, also not school appropriate. Um, But I am there every Sunday evening for the Righteous Gemstones. I cannot get enough of that. That is a nice little escape from reality. But really what I'm excited for is season six of Outlander. So all my Outlander friends who just plowed through that latest book and are just ready for season six, I'm there with you. Can't wait for it. Okay. I'm finding I need to subscribe to more subscription services that I forget to cancel. So so in my list right now, um, I 
I'll go with the uh, streaming stuff first. I'm watching just a couple series. One is called Raised by Wolves. And Raised by Wolves is a very strange dystopian thing that happens kind of in the future where the earth is in is uh, uninhabitable and some scientist guy sends people to go inhabit the planet Kepler 22b which apparently is inhabitable he sends a couple androids and then another group of folks it's really weird about how these androids were they're there to repopulate Kepler 22b along with this other community um, it's really worth watching because it's got some pretty big questions in there. Um, next one, another space one. This one's called The Expanse, which is really cool too. If you haven't heard of The Expanse, it's really worth um, watching. And then podcasts, I would say um, I've been listening a lot to Making Sense with Dan Harris, which is a lot of very philosophical, heavy stuff, but it's extremely well balanced because you know I'm finding that because of our tribal nature that we have here in one camp or the other, unfortunately, that it's very difficult to find people that are providing nuanced conversations around topics of the day. Um, instead of being completely one way or the other, he's very intellectual and will make you think about your stance quite often, especially from what we see in our school situation and politics in general. I guess music wise, I always just like, electronica so i'm usually listening to something that does not have words so i can do other stuff because if it's got words then i start trying to figure out what those words are in my head so and I, i'll tell you the best work music that i've ever found are music soundtracks to movies with no words like the scores the yeah, scores for the films yeah okay okay Ooh, pirates of the caribbean is best for that yep that's <laughs> like you're on a mission so yep you're gonna get stuff done that day yeah, sounds, sounds dramatic. I feel like my heart would be beating and like thumping in my chest while I'm like trying to <laughs> type an email. <laughs> then just toggle over to the Encanto soundtrack. Yep. Oh, get that out of my head. Shh, we don't talk about that. Okay, yes. Uh, so on to our big topic of the day is how might we provide professional learning to staff that may have a limited attention span? So we're kind of seeing, and again, as we mentioned before, anecdotally that uh, folks are just not wanting to engage in long, we, you could almost call it a long read. Like, I mean, do people read full books anymore? Do they watch anything more than three minutes long? Um, just thinking about that with staff of their, where their attention can be. So I just wonder from Sarah and Keith, um, what have you kind of noticed about teachers? I feel like the struggle is real and we can all relate to that because we're all carrying our own, our own load of things, whether it's in the classroom or not. Um, our department, which Ron and I are part of, and we're doing a book study. And I think I'm really into the topic of the book that we're doing is the unconscious bias. And I feel it's structured in a way that's easy to read, easy to take in the information, but sometimes to really like digest that information and get a lot out of it, like I need to carve out that time and be very intentional about it. And um, that's not always going to happen regularly. And that, and I'm not even in the classroom daily with 20 some kids, hopefully not higher than 20 something, <laughs> but I know, that, but that's the reality though, too. Teachers are having to double up on classes and um, 
just have large class loads it's it's not easy so that limited attention span is is real yeah i i won't pretend to know what it's like to be uh, a teacher right now in the current climate and all i can say is from from the situation that we're sitting in, it, we can see the struggle to get subs in the classroom, the struggle, struggle to keep our staff healthy, um, our kids healthy, um, <laughs> how we how we go about meeting the needs of people who are in and out of school or um, exhibiting big behaviors because they're stressed out, both teachers and students. Um, you know, like it's it's just like a, it feels like a situation that um, isn't great for anyone. And, and we get that, you know, um, I understand like the term burnout comes up a lot. Um, and I definitely can see that. Um, I know like on our end of things of trying to provide um, training and resources and that sort of thing to our schools, it's, uh, you know, it's difficult to keep up too. So we feel you. For sure. So I think like Ron mentioned the attention span. Um, I know we've sometimes talked about it as like the TikTok attention span, um, which is, is it now up to three minutes? Is that the length of the maximum video? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Three minutes, which is not now that's like way too long. <laughs> it's not the vine. What were vine? They were like, what, six seconds? Yeah. I'd... That's my attention span. <laughs> it's like, you know, Ted, Ted Lasso puts it as like the goldfish's attention span, like be a goldfish, right? Like let it roll off your back and let it keep going. But, um, you know, there's, there's definitely the, there's definitely an issue when you do need to like grow and learn and dig into things and focus. Um, when there's so many things pulling your focus right now, um, both, you know, just because of the climate we're in. And I think like, you know, as much as we love social media, there's a lot of, a lot of pull into those spaces that capture your focus and capture your attention and segment it so much that it's hard to stay focused. I do think we fundamentally changed, you know, our brains about the attention span because we've got so many devices that are always, um, I would say pinging us for attention. You know, I, I think the words have been used, you know, we are an attention based economy. If you think about it, all the different notifications that you might be getting email, just constant communication. Um, because I'm the old curmudgeon guy, I would say in the old days, pre cell phones, you know, if you wanted to be uninterrupted, you would just take the handset off the telephone <laughs> and set it someplace, right. Where you could be uninterrupted. Those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got just so many things that are always, you know, trying to get your attention. So if it is your cell phone, um, all the different messaging services, and like I think we've been conditioned to that. And we, I, I, even in schools, I think one of the things I hear in schools when I'm in them, just the interruptions that occur in schools too, I think are extremely disruptive for the learning process. So um, I've been in some schools where, it's just like a constant every so many minutes or somebody on a PA system saying some words, which means that everybody has to stop. Um, I've, I've coached a couple principals and administrative assistants in schools about that. When I've been there as a visitor and saying, you know, you need to say, these are the times we're going to make announcements and never interrupt instruction. But 
I think that is just driving a lot of this is just, you know, all these interruptions. And I think we, when we start thinking about learning, we have to figure out and make some rules around those things. Like what, where's our guidelines for interruptions and how do we turn stuff off? And really, we really get down to it. How do we help our kids understand that they do not have to respond to every single notification immediately? Um, I think that probably leads them to make really bad decisions with regard to uh, sharing things on social media too. You know, they're very reactive instead of thoughtful about things. I think you've, you've uh, talked to me about my approach on Slack before where like I'll get a Slack message and, you know, generally with Slack, you're responding really fast. Um, But I think the term you used, Ron, was you kind of let it simmer sometimes. (laughs) And sometimes that's good, right? Like, um, to, to give folks a chance to think a little bit more about it rather than reacting and going and grabbing um, whatever that solution might be. I'm there with you, Keith. I'm like that microwave Slack person. Like I'll get that instant response. Like I feel like I'm doing something by responding right away instead of letting it simmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we, do we have a microwave generation too? It's like they're standing in front of the microwave with something. It's like, come on, man, ain't got all minute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We're back in the day we had to turn the dial. We didn't even have buttons to push. <laughs> I'm old enough where I was the television remote control. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get Bite up and go feet. change it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I, I think that kind of leads, you know, into like approaches for professional learning then is, you know, we've seen some movement toward um, micro PD or miniature PD. Um, I think the days... You know, I, I'm hearing this from colleagues too. I think the days of corralling a bunch of people into a room to sit and listen to somebody read PowerPoint to you for six hours is over. Um, there needs to be a different way to do professional learning for our, our staff. You know, it's it's obviously extremely important, but so is um, valuing somebody's time and their their learning. So, I think those days of that. Uh, going into a room and just getting read to have to be over. There is a problem with that though. And here's the, this is the question I would ask administrators to, um, I I've said this a few times to people and makes people think a little bit is if I'm a teacher and I say, Hey, I want to go to, to someplace to go to a conference, to go learn. And I need a sub and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Is that okay? And they're like, yep. You know, fill out the sub request if you can find one. Um, and you can go to this thing because it meets our educational goals and your professional development as a person. If that same person nowadays says, Hey, I want to stay home on Wednesday and go to a zoom conference. That's a professional learning. And I need to get a sub in my classroom, uh, do an online thing. And they, they ask the principal that the answer to that is generally no. Um, so there's more value placed on sending somebody to a building someplace to go hang out with a bunch of people in a room versus allowing that person to do almost the exact same activity, but at their house. Well, you, you, you know, their butt's going to be in a seat somewhere. Yeah. I guess that's the thing is, you know, are we, when do we get to this point with professional learning that folks have an understanding that, you know, your butt in a chair doesn't equal engagement Mm -hmm. or work or learning. Um, if I just can't see you, you know, but online is, there's still a, I mean, you can do the exact same thing online. So I just wonder what you guys think about that model. It makes me question sometimes like we teachers will do 
anything for their students to give them the accommodations that they need, um, any remediations, you know, we, we will go and do whatever we need to, but sometimes it's frustrating because those same needs are not being met for the teacher as a learner when we need those accommodations or we need that grace. We need to um, learn in our own way, just like we do for students. And I mean, if I can be just as active on a Zoom call at home in comfy clothes, my learning will be 10 times better what it will be opposed to sitting in a room with a bunch of people. Granted, I will love the relationships and things that that, that brings, but I'm also that person who will stare out the window and be like, squirrel, you know, like <laughs> I can focus in better when I am in that quiet learning environment. That's what I need. Um, and I know everyone's different too. So I think those like leading into kind of where I think Ron was going, like those micro learning opportunities are awesome for me because I can do it on my own time in my own way. And that's what meets my needs as a learner. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to say, you know, introverts unite or don't. Um, <laughs> separately, <laughs> unite separately. There you go. Um, From a distance, right, I, I'm with you. I, I think um, you know, being the ability to join a, a Zoom meeting and learn, um, I do just as well at home when I can sit in comfy clothes and run upstairs and grab coffee if I need it. Um, but you're you're right too. Like I think there's just been a major change in the needs of teachers and the needs of professionals in general in the last two years. And so Ron, Ron and Sarah both mentioned uh, micro learning. And actually, I was at a training the other day where they mentioned nano learning. So we've even reached like a deeper level of that now. So what is that? Like you, you get three, three words in a tweet or something? I guess so. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really dug into that yet. But uh, we have at Ken ISD been playing around actually since the beginning of the pandemic, we sort of have been playing around with some of um, these different approaches to micro learning, as you would call it. So um, I think our first attempt was around a tool called Arist, which sent out uh, text messages. So it was essentially like you would jump into a course and you would get a daily text message with content in it, not a link to go and click anywhere. It just had a literal text message worth of some kind of learning, um, a thought that maybe would stick with you for the day, or um, maybe a new tool to check out during the day. And um, at the end of the day, you know, you could respond when you were able to, but by the end of that 24 hour period before the next text message came, there was a reflection question. So you could jump in and reflect on what you had learned and you could earn sketches or credit along the way. Um, and we found that a lot of teachers really liked that. Um, the thing I think we noticed with Arist or with this text message PD idea is it totally cuts out the social aspect of learning. And we all know that that's a really important part. So we've been trying to play around with, you know, other methods. Um, Sarah kind of built a, um, you call it ad tech cheer, which has been an ongoing thing since I was at uh, the school that we worked at together. Um, but do you want to talk a little bit about your approach to micro learning with ad tech cheer? Yeah. Um, after hearing Keith's experiment experience with Arist and um, reflecting on that, I feel like it's constantly in the back of our mind. How can we make 
the learning public? How can we get that interaction going among teachers? And um, I don't want to you know, push something that's not a good fit for the model, but I think it, it's going to be a matter of trying some things out and seeing what works. And one thing I tried, and it was kind of just capturing reflections and learnings with um, EdTech Cheer is to present a topic, have teachers do a little bit of exploration, and then respond to a reflection question. And that reflection question was uh, presented through Google Forms, and so I could publish the results anonymously to the website so people could see the other reflections that people had on that particular topic. It's great, but um, not really a great way to get actual conversation going. So if you're reading through the other responses, you can see, oh yeah, so-and-so posted this. I'd like to build upon that, but it gets lost in the mess of responses where you can't really have like a nested conversation. So I know that's a, a learning area for me as far as how to do that. But as far as how I push that out, I did daily emails as well as text messages through talking points so that people could kind of customize how their responses came to them. Um, I wanted to provide different options. Some people like the text message. Some people wanted the email. Um, I think it just goes back to learner preferences and how do we find that, that happy medium for how teachers would like that delivered. So, Ron, I have a question for you. <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, ed tech curmudgeon part. What are your feelings on receiving swag when you go to events or conferences? I've been to many, many, many conferences. And one of the things that I found, I don't know if you guys have done this, go to a conference, like whatever it might be. You go in, you get a tote bag, and sometimes it's just filled with stuff. If you ever notice, you go to a conference, the first stop that most people make with that bag full of stuff, trash can, yes, to unload everything. So instead of your conference experience being, um, you have this canvas bag full of stuff, mostly flyers from vendors because the vendors pay to have those things stuffed into a bag. Um, and then your first stop is to the trash can to completely unload all this stuff. I want us to also think about what we're doing to our teachers. I've seen quite a few um, attempts at providing teachers swag as a way to help them through the last couple of years. So that is like gifty sort of things. And crappy swag is a really bad way to say thank you to a teacher. Um, if you're going to appreciate me, and your teachers as a person, um, I would rather not have the swag and you just say something nice to me or you give me a handwritten note. But don't try to buy me off with something that's like, uh, it's immediately going to be put in the trash can or I'll never find useful. Um, so just consider what that, consider what it is that you're giving somebody. So Sarah and I talked the other day of like, like what would be the most useful thing that you ever received? Um, at a conference or from somebody. And it has to be something that's practical that you use almost every day. And I, I know Sarah probably has one. I have one that I really like. It's, um, it's a fake Yeti mug, like the Ozark trail version of a Yeti for $8 um, that I put a sticker on. I use it every single day and it's useful. And it reminds me of something you know, a good thing. 
Um, what have you guys gotten that like is the worst swag and the best swag? It was interesting when I was thinking about that and I kind of posed the question to our team about that because I know we all kind of have our little um, areas that we go to for conferences or events and they're very different in our IT department. And even I'm sure what Keith attends as far as what or what he hears from his teaching and learning department. Um, but if I receive another microfiber little cloth to clean my glasses or another screwdriver, I'm going to be, I'm just going to go nuts that I can't take any more of those. So they were, they were good at first. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I, I love a, a good t-shirt, a good t-shirt. Don't give me the, the crappy quality ones that just you use for painting and doing yard work. And then you wear it three times, wash it once or something <laughs> like that. And it's just coming apart at the seams. So a good t-shirt I'm there for. Um, it was interesting though. Some of the responses, a lot of people brought up socks and I was like, I do it. I do some socks if they were good quality socks. But yeah, I'm out on the microfiber cloths and screwdrivers. No more. Yeah, the socks. That's interesting. We we did that um, at a former job I had with Swag, and I still wear them. They're fantastic socks. <laughs> so it's funny that you bring that up. But yeah, I think you're right. Like when you're, it like, it feels like okay, I'm running an event. How do I get Swag into my teachers' hands to show them that I appreciate them? Right, like that's something that sometimes comes up when you're you're building a workshop, and maybe you have a budget to do it. Um, but it's important to consider like, are you giving either a something that's useful, or b something that means something to the people that you're giving it to? Um, and I think you hit it right on the head there, Sarah. Like, I think about things that promote. Um, belonging. Like we've been on this issue of um, trying to build belonging, even though we're in a pandemic and people are separated and all spread out all around our county and around our area. How do we promote belonging? And, you know, we went and we bought stickers. We made stickers that say, I am ed tech, right? And um, yeah, not huge, but to me, that means something like you're part of this. You, you belong here. Um, we all are doing ed tech and it's been a big part of what we do. One last point on this too is, you know, when you do give um, swag if, at, at a staff meeting, right? You're running a staff meeting and you bring in a candy bar for everybody. Um, I was just talking to my boss, Kelly Brockway, and she's kind of put the difference between climate and culture, right? Like the candy bar changes the climate for 10 minutes at the beginning of the meeting, right? Or maybe you made somebody's day that day, but did you show appreciation? Did you increase belonging? Did you give people a, a platform and make them feel like they belong there? Um, that is what matters for the culture of your school, for the culture of your, your environment. It's a great point. I like that. And I think it's that thoughtfulness, right? Is, you know, if you think just by, buying some random swag and giving it to your folks and you made that individual decision that you think it's the best thing ever, you might want to double think that and just ask somebody else, say, Hey, what do you think about this? And they might give you some better alternatives and maybe ask you some questions like, uh, is that the best thing we can do for them right now? So, okay. Next segment. Ready? Around the interwebs. 
We need, oh, you know, we'd need music for that. Around the, it'd be like pigs in space. Oh. Pig, pigs in space. That's a throwback. Pigs in space. <laughs> Maybe I'm too young for that one. <laughs> uh, oh, come on, Keith. I know it. <laughs> it's from the Muppets. Man. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to just give you a very short take on some of the things that we um, would like to either surface, resurface, um, brand new stuff out on the web. My first one that I'll just give you, my only one, is the Michigan Electronic Library known as MEL. So if you go to MEL.org, many teachers don't know about this site, which is interesting, but there is so much stuff on MEL that you can use from K to 20. Uh, This is the place on the web for those of you that live within the state of Michigan. Uh, Many of the resources there are based on your geolocation. So where you're located in Michigan opens up a whole bunch of different avenues for you Um, from databases that are not publicly accessible to curriculum items that you can use directly in your classroom. Many of them are what we call open education resources. Um, There's a lot of really neat database stuff in there too that um, is frankly helpful depending on your propensity for doing something. One that I use every once in a while, they've got a really great section in there that you can uh, find repair manuals for your vehicles, which are not publicly accessible on the internet. Um, That's usually a subscription where you can find the exact part number that you may need to order to fix that thing that's been driving you nuts or whatever it might be. Because uh, nowadays holding on to the car that you have is really valuable because go try to find another one. It's just, ain't working out but take a look at mel if you've not been there in a while uh, you'll find just amazing resources there and again it seems to be forgotten by a lot of folks um, just because I, mean, I, I know it's well publicized i think many of these things you almost have to have it in your head and be part of your regular bookmarks and tour as you're building lessons or looking for stuff for your kids yeah i have to say the biggest thing that mel offers for me anyways is consumer reports So anytime that my wife and I have gone and and made a purchase for our home or like appliances or brand new TVs or something like that, like that is the time we go and look on Mel and find the consumer reports for whatever the thing is that we're looking for, new car, whatever. Um, That's a huge resource. And it's so nice that it's just there on Mel. I think Mel's like one of the like true OG research places to go. And I know I completely underutilize it. So I'm so glad you brought that back up, Ron. Um, I think one of my things that I, I don't, it's not new, but it's new to me. So I will share it. Um, it was three act math. And I'm going to specifically highlight because of the time of year it is right now, their Girl Scout cookies example, because, you know, we all love those cookies this time of year, but it, it's, it breaks down real world math for students and it provides questions that really make you think like really get that inquiry process activated. So like the Girl Scout cookies ones has a, I can't remember if it's a van or an SUV, but open the trunk. How many boxes of Girl Scout cookies could you fit in that trunk? So you have to do the math knowing the dimensions of the boxes, also knowing the dimensions of the trunk space and that, but it's just a lot of things. Not that I'm considering how could I stuff my trunk full of Girl Scout cookies? I mean, I wouldn't be mad about it, but um, it just it provides really good thought provoking math prompts. So I wanted to share that one this time around. What about how many will fit in your mouth at one time? <laughs> 
that's a very personal experience. Okay. Depends on the cookie too. So, I mean, thin mints compared to caramel delights. It depends on how, how much you like the roof of your mouth. That coconut will tear that apart, just like Captain Crunch. <laughs> need the need the smooth ones. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, I I have used three X math when I was a, a math teacher, and it is fantastic. Uh, we did the one on Julie's, which is super old at this point, I'm sure. Um, but they were like metal ice cubes, if you could picture it, that would cool down your coffee and keep them at the perfect temperature. So uh, we went through the whole lesson of like, okay, if you could graph what this looks like over time, what would this look like? And do they do a good job? (laughs) Do they not do a good job? What's the best thing here? And it's all from Dan Meyer, who is, in my opinion, the epitome of a math teacher. Just amazing with so much the creativity he comes up with. And I've never actually looked at this cook, Girl Scout cookies example, um, but the picture, <laughs> I pulled it up while you were talking, the picture of this Nissan, I, I don't know what kind of car it is, just stuffed full of Girl Scout cookie boxes is amazing. So I know it makes you wonder. <laughs> it does. How many are in there? Yep. I have to say, I never contemplated that question until I saw that video. And now I'm curious, how many could I hold in the trunk of my vehicle? Sounds like we have a sabbatical day coming up to, fig- <laughs> Sounds to like figure that. out. Research. research. Yes, action research. I- I'll use Mel as part of my experience. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to share um, around digital citizenship, which I know is something that comes up for anyone in the world of ad tech. Um Recently, one of the people that I look up to, some might even call her my ad tech crush, um, is Dr. Kristen Matson, um, And she teamed up with Leanne Lindsay uh, maybe a year or two ago um, to create uh, the ed tech doctors or the Digit doctors, sorry. Um, and they created recently a digital citizenship framework um, focusing on four different strands. So you kind of have your digital safety and your media inf- media and information literacy portion, um, which is kind of when you think about digital citizenship, that's the, to use Sarah's term, the OG strands of digital citizenship. Um, but go- moving beyond that, our current sis- the current things that our students focus on and, and run into, is far more robust than just safety and information literacy. Um, so they get into two additional strands that are more current um, called digital well-being and social responsibility. So um, I won't get into all the details of it, but the, the framework is very um, simple and easy to understand, um, but they also include crosswalks between their framework and the ISTE standards, which we know as the MITEX, um, our Common Core standards, the CASEL standards, that's the SEL standards, um, NGSS, the C3 framework, and, and a number of other things. So regardless of what you teach, there's a way to kind of pull in digital citizenship into what you do. Um, so definitely worth checking out. And it's nice that somebody just kind of put it all together in a cohesive place. So um, I think this brings us to kind of our ending part here about upcoming opportunities that we have going around. Some things I just wanted to share. Um, of course, our ed tech friends want to encourage you to attend the McCall Conference, which will be in Grand Rapids this year from March 16th through 18th. The Thursday and Friday being those primary days of 
in-person conference. So register soon. That early bird registration ends March 2nd. So to get that reduced pricing. Um, some of our ISD offerings, we have virtual make and takes, which is our year long series. Super fun PD on your own time. Um, February, we had data trackers and in March we will have choice boards and those are both live. So you can go ahead and even work ahead a little bit on those. And then on April 20th, we have our computer science panel with Victoria Fleener from Cornerstone University. She is an awesome person and will provide a unique perspective to our CS conversation. Going further with computer science, we have a computer science core concepts workshop coming up at Kent ISD on April 27th. That is a face-to-face -face event. Um, we're excited to kind of roll that out and show you all the different uh, resources and tools that are available to you to implement computer science in your classroom with your students. So um, come check that out and you may be leaving with uh, some, some goodies from our friends at MySTEM. Um, so also, uh, we mentioned micro learning a bit earlier in this episode. We just this week released the Design Thinking PDX, which is a newsletter that has some professional learning built into it. So you can earn sketches by reading a newsletter. And that is for people who have been through design thinking training. So um, you can go check that out as well. We've got some more design thinking opportunities coming your way. Um, some exciting stuff that we're considering there with uh, PD in a box, which I, I'm excited for. Um, this is kind of Sarah's brainchild. Think Stitch Fix, but for PD. Um, but that's in development right now. And uh, a design thinking workshop is kind of in the works as well for those of you that want to get into design thinking. Um, you can find all of our EdTech offerings at bit.ly slash I am EdTech. All right. And just a couple other fun things to note. Um, the Remsey Association of Michigan, also known as just plain old Remsey. If you go to remsey.org, you will see a crazy amount, like usually 20 per month of professional learning that you can take part in. They're all free. They all offer somewhere near, just depends on how many sketches you might need, but somewhere between uh, four to 10. So if you are in need of your 150 hours every five years to get recertified, um, it's a really great opportunity for you to get PD, especially in this time where a lot of professional learning has not been occurring for the last couple of years. So if you need to get caught up, lots of great courses there. Um, and the last little thing is if you ever need any support from Kent ISD and the EdTech team here, it's very easy to do so. We have an email address, edtech at kentisd.org. Send an email and one of us will respond to you generally within 24 hours. But we might let it simmer. Not microwave it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is it for this episode of For the Purpose of Podcast. It's been great chatting with you guys today. And remember to get more information and any of the links of things that we talked about in this podcast. Check out the show notes. And don't forget to go to the EdTech project that Keith had mentioned as far as kind of our our belonging initiative like this isn't just ron keith and sarah talking like you are part of this conversation conversations we have with you feedback we hear all leads to us helping support you in new in different ways that meet your needs so check out bit.ly slash i am edtech so that you can check out our current events and networks sign up for our edtech connect newsletter 
and share your voice with us because you are EdTech and you belong here. Subscribe. Subscribe. So we will catch up with you next time on For the Purpose of. This podcast is a service of Cat ISD. It is produced by Ron Houtman, Sarah Wood, and Keith Tramper. Our theme music is Neon Nights by Scott Holmes Music, courtesy of freemusicarchive.org.